Hey, really quick before we get into this episode, if you're hearing this intro, it means that my new podcast with my friend Veronica called Socially Unfiltered has officially launched and we would love for you to join us over there. I wanted to make sure I put this intro before all of the previous episodes of the Social Media Survival Guide podcast because just so much has changed since these episodes were published, but the content in these episodes still holds a very special place in my heart. So you may hear some links or some Instagram handles that I'm no longer using being mentioned in these episodes. So I just wanted to give you one place where you knew you could find everything. If you want to keep up with me, Lex, on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at justlexpage, J-U-S-T-L-E-X-P-A-I-G-E. And that's where you can find all of my social media content. It's where you can find all of the different ways we can work together and all of the resources I have to help you survive social media. And like I said, some links may be outdated. So if you're interested in any of my guides, any of my templates, or any of my resources for helping you survive social media, you can find everything at stan.store slash page, and I'll link everything in this description. But come join us over on the new podcast. Again, it's called Socially Unfiltered. You can find us on Instagram at sociallyunfilteredpod. You can find the podcast where wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, I'll link everything in this episode description. Whether this is your first time listening to the Social Media Survival Guide or your millionth re-listen, thank you for being here. But I'm so excited to start this new journey with you. So please come hang out with us over on Socially Unfiltered. We would love to have you. But for now, I'll let you get into the episode that you were trying to listen to. And hopefully I'll see you over there. Enjoy. Welcome to the Social Media Survival Guide, an experience designed to help us all survive social media. We're gonna go on deep dives into what goes on behind the scenes in this industry, talk to some of the most amazing entrepreneurs, and I'm sharing all of my favorite tools and resources that I use to survive social media. We do things a little more authentic around here, and I'm glad that you made it. I'm your host, Lex, and I'm just surviving social media one day at a time. Let's get into it. Hello, how are you? How's your day going? I just got done watching the TikTok Congress hearing. <laughs> uh, I like for a second was like, should I make this episode about TikTok potentially getting banned? Um, but I don't think I'm ready to dive into that yet. <laughs> Both for my own mental sanity, but also just like in general, not really my favorite topic to talk about. Um, Mostly because I just, like, don't really know what happens now. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who understand this process a lot more than I do. But um, somebody asked me, like, what happens now that the trial's over? And I don't really know. I don't know if they will want to do another hearing to touch base on some of the questions that they asked that the CEO of TikTok wasn't necessarily able to answer, which not like in a sketchy way he wasn't answering questions there's they were just asking like very specific questions about like numbers or like specific accounts that they had banned for privacy or safety or whatever and he asked if he could just like check with his team and get back with them about an answer so just a lot still in my opinion wasn't really answered I mean a lot was but I don't really understand what comes next like I don't know if they're gonna do again another hearing to touch base on some of those things or if it is just now in the hands of this team to deal with. Um, Like, I don't know if it's just Congress's problem now. I don't know if Congress gets to just decide. I do know that it's not like Biden doesn't get to just be like, yep, TikTok's gone. Um, There's like a lot of other things that have to go into place. Um, I've tried to do some research about, again, what would come next or what the next steps are. And I can't find anything reliable right now, but I'm literally recording this like minutes after 
this live trial was over. So I just don't think a lot of people have gotten to write those articles yet. Um, so I'm sure we'll know eventually. But yeah, I just don't, I don't think it's going to get banned. I'm trying to like not even put that energy out there. I know there's a lot of people who would love to see TikTok get banned and I am very proudly not one of them. Um, TikTok completely changed my life for the better. And I know a lot of other people who feel the same and it would hurt my heart very heavily to see it go. But I did see a TikTok that was like, <laughs> Zuckerberg, like Meta's team is basically backing Congress, like in this whole thing being like, yeah, fuck TikTok. Like we don't want it, get rid of it, blah, blah, blah. And I saw something that was like, everybody think, or not everybody, Zuckerberg thinks that TikTok getting banned would like force everybody to just keep using Instagram and Facebook. And this person was like, that's not true. Like we will go to any other platform. And I also agree with that. Like, I don't think if TikTok got banned, like first of all, Instagram is just never going to be the culture that TikTok is for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think TikTok will always prioritize more aesthetically pleasing, inspirational audios, type of content I don't think not that I don't think there are people that have success with this type of content and I post a lot of this content knowing again that it's not necessarily what Instagram wants but it's the type of content that I enjoy creating so I'm going to create it are just like straight up talking videos like talking to the camera um again it's not the type of content that I think Instagram really quote-unquote prioritizes because this is what I hate is like everybody blames Instagram for like suppressing their views on certain types of content, but I feel like they're just not recognizing that it's not what the masses want in their content. Um, or like a lot of people will blame being shadow banned on the fact that their trending audio didn't get them millions of views, but that trending audio had nothing to do with their niche. Their audience didn't relate to it and they just won't look at it that way. So I just don't think Instagram is necessarily to blame for quote unquote lack of views, but all of that to say, I know that talking content is more quote unquote prioritized or enjoyed over on TikTok. And to me, that's the type of content that performs the best at quote unquote converting. And I'm saying quote unquote on all of this because I don't, I don't want this to be taken in the way that like, oh, talking videos means you make more money because that's not necessarily true. I just see a correlation in the talking videos that I post compared to the days that somebody enrolls in my guides. So to me, that's the content that does the best. However, my content that gets the most views and the most reach is my content about Canva. Um, like consistently any content that I've made about Canva in the past few months. Um, I don't know if it's because I've just like switched the type of Canva content that I'm showing or what. Um, and they've had like a lot of new features. So I've just prioritize making videos about how to use these new features in your content or showing them in use. So again, my Canva content usually gets the most reach and the most views and the most saves, but my talking videos are what convert the best. And I just don't think Instagram will ever prioritize, again, quote unquote, <laughs> I don't think the audience on Instagram will ever enjoy the longer form talking videos like TikTok does. Okay, enough about that because like I said, I don't necessarily want to make this episode about TikTok getting banned. Um, I don't know if I'll actually dedicate a, a, an episode to that. Oh my god, I'm stuttering because I'm like panicking a little. 
I just I'm I still have like the live stream up on my TV with the sound off, so I'm just like watching the poor CEO of TikTok not be able to like speak for five seconds. I went back and started it from the beginning just because I like to watch things like this more than once. Okay, so also just like a quick update on my life <laughs> or like my business. So obviously I haven't been posting on YouTube. Um, I don't say obviously to say that like, oh, everybody's checking every single week to see if there's a new YouTube video. Um, but YouTube, I love YouTube so much and I literally just said this to somebody the other day. YouTube is actually where a lot of my inquiries come from to work together for social media management. Like a weird amount comes from YouTube um, and I don't actively post there. So right now the videos that are up on my YouTube channel are like the foundational ones that I always want available. Like I always want people to be able to find the content that's on there. Um, I've tried for the past few months, like since January to consistently be making a YouTube video every week. And I, again, obviously have not followed through with that. And it's not because I don't want to. And I think I talked about this on last week's episode a little bit that I sometimes don't prioritize my own content when it comes to my to-do list. And that's like a really bad habit to be in. Um, but what I keep finding with YouTube is it's, it's the most time consuming. It's not a lot of time that it's consuming, but between like scripting out what the video is going to be about, filming it, editing it, and then like optimizing it to be posted and like thumbnails and all of that, it's just taking like a huge chunk of time out of my week. So I'm not going to say that I'm done making YouTube. Like I, I do want to be back to it consistently at some point. Um, and I've said before, I just am not ready to hire somebody for that just because I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't hire somebody for something until you have like the firm understanding of how you want it to be done or the direction that you want it to go in. And I'm still just very much figuring out what exactly I want more YouTube content about. Um, I'm really leaning into creating just like strictly creation videos like i would love to just make more youtube videos showing like more detailed processes of like creating things inside of canva like maybe how i make my digital products and like upload them to etsy like stuff like that um i just don't i'm i have a weird vibe about <laughs> creating content lately not like in a bad way i just i think i want to start leaning into some other things that would just change everything that i've done <laughs> not like completely like i'm still social media management content creation blah 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 but just exploring different avenues and for now youtube's gonna take the back seat so i do again still plan on making youtube content just probably not on a super consistent basis until i do get to the point that i'm ready to hire somebody for that specifically there's just a lot of other things i would rather outsource for first um so that i could spend my time creating the youtube content but yeah, I mean, TikTok and Instagram and stories for now are kind of getting all of my content and the podcast, obviously. So I want to keep it that way. Um, but with that being said, <laughs> this episode, the Monday that it's coming out, the week after, there will not be a podcast episode because next week I'm going 
on a podcast to be a guest and it's actually a podcast that's local in Charleston so I get to go like in person and do an episode which is actually really weird I've never done an in-person podcast episode it's been like strictly zoom and my solo episodes so I'm super excited for that um it's for a podcast that I feel like you probably either won't expect or if you know me you will be like wow that makes a ton of sense so When my dog was a puppy and I adopted him, I hired a dog trainer and that dog trainer became like the only person in the world literally that I trust to leave my dog with. Like I have never in seven years left my dog with anybody but my boyfriend and the dog trainer. Um, His name is Chad. He owns, if you're local to Charleston, Canine Revolution Dog Training. If you're not local to Charleston, you should still just follow them because they post amazing content as far as like tips for helping with your dog's anxiety and like training and just the best practices and stuff. Um, My dog is and was, (laughs) I'm going to say was because a lot of it is like reinforcement and I didn't necessarily do the best job of reinforcing, but like my dog's really good. Like he doesn't run away from me. Like he definitely gets stimulated. Like if we're walking and there's like a squirrel or another dog, like he does get like a little like rowdy and like excited but he won't like take off from me and sprint away which is like the only thing that I could ever ask for um but he will definitely eat food if it's left sitting out like on the counter (laughs) like just full transparency um so definitely some things that I did and did not reinforce but anyway I'm going on Chad's podcast his podcast is Um, It's a really cool setup. Um, So obviously he's a dog trainer, so they talk a lot about that. But then he also does just like other business owners, personalities, like stuff like that. So I'm going to go on there and talk about social media. So just because I have one block of time per week that I can block off for podcasting specifically, um, I have to use that block of time next week to go on his podcast. So I just won't be able to record an episode for my own. I just don't know when that episode is going to come out like I that might be next the week after's episode if it's done that time I just don't know what his like turnaround time is so TBD on that but yeah Monday let me double check what day it is Monday the 3rd there will not be an episode and then we'll be back to normal after that okay Jesus a 12 and a half minute long intro already (laughs) So this week's episode, let's talk about, I want to talk about some Canva updates. I don't love talking about Canva specifically on my podcast just because this is obviously just an audio experience and I prefer Canva discussions to be both visual and audio, but I do want to just talk about some of them because they did make some pretty, I don't know if revolutionary is the right word to use, but they made some pretty big changes that kind of show just how far AI is like infiltrating our lives and it like freaks me out um and then I also really want to talk about what it means to have a sense of community within your business or within your personal brand just because I have a very specific example that I want to talk about and then I also want to talk about why a lot of people may not ever get to the point of quote-unquote success in their business when it comes to social media because they're not looking at it the right way and they're not committed enough and I feel like that sounds super harsh but like stick with me I have a whole timeline of a huge influencer that we're going to run through just so that this all makes a little bit more sense um also hi my name is Lex if we haven't met I'm the owner of Page Media Co and the creator of the social media survival guide 
I don't know if I've ever explained this in the intro. So Page Media Co. is my business that I do the actual social media management and content creation through. And then the Social Media Survival Guide is my sector that is just for social media specifically, both managers and small businesses um, to just help us all survive a little bit easier. Um, You can find everything that I'll talk about linked in the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Page Media Co. P-A-I-G-E. I think that's it. Okay, let's do a quick ad and then we will talk about the episode. Oh, everything else is at the socialmediasurvivalguide.com. All right, let's talk first about the Canva updates. Just get that done. So Canva released a couple new updates a couple days ago. I made videos about it on both Instagram and TikTok that you can find from Thursday, March 23rd. And a couple of them are pretty crazy. So the first one that's really awesome is the layers feature. So if you're a Photoshop user, you'll recognize this. Um, This has been something that I've been dying for Canva to add. So if you use Canva, you know, like if you're stacking elements on top of each other, like let's say you have three elements stacked on top of each other and like a shape, a picture, and then text. And the text is on top. If you want to resize something that's underneath that text, you have to like move the other elements out of the way before Canva will let you select it. And it's been such a pain in the ass, but like obviously we've made it work, but Canva's now added the feature of layers where if you click on the position tab up in the top right where you would go for like the actual positioning features, um, there's a new tab that will be able to be clicked and it's called layers. And when you open it, it shows you all of the elements that are on your page and it shows you which layer they're in and you can literally just drag and drop the layers. It's an amazing feature. I'm so glad that they added it. It saves so much time and it takes away so much stress when you're working with stacked layers. Um, The next one is magic remover. So it's basically just an magic eraser, I think it's called. Um, It's basically just object removal and it's really cool because you have always been able to do this obviously in my personal favorite way to do this has always been with the app called retouch um so basically you download retouch i'm 99 sure it's free um you just highlight the object in the picture that you want to remove and then in a matter of seconds it works its magic and that object is removed um, but canva just added that so it's super convenient because you no longer have to do it on a different platform. Um, The other way that I like to do it is in Lightroom or Photoshop. I just use Lightroom more often. Um, In Lightroom, the healing tools, the Band-Aid and the brush, um, those are really convenient for removing objects, but it's a little bit more manual, so it takes a lot of time. So I've always just stuck to that Retouch app and it's never let me down. Um, But then they also have the Magic Editor tool now, and this is where like the AI comes in. So it's pretty crazy, like you, upload your picture and let's say you have a picture like the example i did is me holding my phone so my phone is in my hand when you highlight the object a little box comes up and you type in what you want that object to be changed to so in my example i did a flower so i literally just typed in pink flower and again in a matter of seconds ai recognized what I was asking for from the text that I inputted. It recognized the object that I wanted to change based on what I highlighted and then it changed it to a pink flower. And does it look the most realistic? Like, no, but it's 
a crazy feature that is available for $14 a month on the Canva Pro subscription. Like this is something that you used to have to have Photoshop and be super proficient in or like a bunch of different apps and now you can literally do it in a matter of seconds. So I don't know, that's just like a form of AI that I can get behind. I know I've said before, like I'm not a huge fan of ChatGPT or copy.ai just because I don't like the idea of somebody thinking that copy and pasting is good enough and that that is deserving of viral content and that a copy and pasted caption is deserving of a ton of engagement because it's not. Um, in my opinion, low effort means low return or low investment means low return. And that's how I feel about like using those things for specifically like copy and pasting captions. I would rather somebody use those tools to ask for prompts and then they answer them genuinely with their own words. Um, I just don't think content ever sounds as good when it's not written by the brand voice itself or the social media manager theirself who works in the brand voice. So yeah, just a lot of AI changes happening on Canva, so that's really exciting. But now I want to talk about the power of building a community and what that means on social media and why that's changing and just some examples. So the first example that I want to talk about is a couple days ago, or I guess this past weekend, Taylor Swift started her Eras tour. If you saw my Instagram story, you know that I am eating my words. Um, when everybody was going through like the Taylor Swift ticket issue, I was like, wow, that could never be me. Like I would never like die hard want to see somebody so bad that I'd go through that stress and now that I'm watching live streams of the concert I am eating every single word that I ever said I would sit on hold with Ticketmaster for days to be able to go to this concert and it's so amazing like she's just amazing like I've never not been a Taylor Swift fan but like I just I kind of fell off after like 2016 I would say um like blank space era was kind of the last era that I was like really into. Well, no, I guess I liked reputations too. Um, I just like evermore, is that what it's called? Or like folklore, like those albums just like weren't my jam. I know there's obviously a lot of people who are going to hate me for saying that. Not that I don't like them. It just old school Taylor Swift was way more my jam. So seeing that it's a three and a half hour set or whatever it is of all of her eras, I'm like, oh my God, I would die to go but anyway this comes to the podcast today <laughs> because i have been sucked into watching the live streams and i keep noticing over and over something that taylor swift does that i think maybe not a lot of people are either recognizing or talk about i've never heard somebody else talk about this not saying that they haven't i just haven't heard it so taylor swift when she's like prefacing her songs or like switching songs and like doing dialogue and like crowd work and talking to the audience she's never like thank you guys so much for being here tonight i hope you guys love the show no she literally was saying you did this thank you for being here you are the reason that i'm here you and your support like she directly speaks to one person and if I didn't already love her a lot this made me love her a million times more because I think that that little subtle change and I've said this forever I literally have a video on TikTok that says 
if you make this one change to your content, I guarantee you will see a difference. And it's to stop starting your videos with, hey guys, or hey everybody, or happy Monday. Like you need to just speak directly to somebody. Um, I know a lot of people use the like analogy of being on FaceTime with a friend. And I don't like to say it that way just because I feel like everybody says it that way. But like you do need to think of the way that you're speaking to your quote unquote audience as one singular person. And I usually say that in regards to social media because when somebody is watching your content, they're by themselves. Like they're not sitting in a room full of people that they should be addressed as you guys. I don't even think in person audiences should be addressed as you guys. I think that makes it sound like you look at your audience as one entire unit when really your audience is made up of a bunch of individual people. And I just don't love, and like, don't get me wrong, I definitely slip sometimes and like, I'll start episodes with like, hey everybody, just because, I mean, straight up, it's, I don't know how to start an episode. <laughs> like, it's kind of hard. So I like to just say like, hey, thanks for being here. But like, I try most of the time to just speak like I'm speaking to one individual person and I don't, I don't even like talking about it because I feel like it's almost like a psychological hack <laughs> and I'm not trying to be like hacky or like quick schemes or anything. It's just true. It just makes people feel a specific type of way when they feel like somebody is speaking directly to them. And I can imagine like there's a lot of people who probably got emotional because in that moment of Taylor Swift speaking and saying you, 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 not you guys, everybody, y'all, like that person front row at her stage probably literally has like laser focus on her and doesn't even hear or see anybody else in the room and that interaction genuinely feels like it's one-on-one -on -one between you and that person. And that should be your goal with your social media content. So I just wanted to point that out. If you get a chance to watch any of her live streams, like I said, I'd, I've only watched the one, but I watched it for like three hours. Um, and she did it for the whole show. So I'm assuming it's something that she just continuously does. I don't know. I don't think that was like a one-time thing. So if you get a chance, hop into one of the lives that people put up on TikTok the night of her shows and just like listen to the way that she speaks to her audience because I think everybody, especially those who create content and want to be, not even necessarily that you should want to be, you have to be creating those one-on-one -on -one connections and I think that's a huge reason of why Taylor Swift has so many like diehard fans so again I eat my words Taylor Swift is amazing she is a queen she's the mother like I am sorry that I ever said that she wasn't worth the stress of that Ticketmaster debacle um, because I, I fully resent saying that now and we love a queen who can accept that she was wrong at some point. Um, so that's like the first thing I wanted to talk about is just the power of, again, speaking directly to somebody. But now we're going to tie that into the power of not giving up because I feel like these two things, like the process of creating a community and not giving up are two things that people really struggle with like I think a lot of people don't fully understand what it means to create a community when they're building a brand um, because a lot of people think that they're just entitled or deserving of having a following because they're just posting content like oh I'm putting the effort in therefore people have to respect this and that's just not how it goes um, I don't really think I'm a fan or like even off the top of my head I don't think I could 
tell you a single creator that I enjoy following or enjoy watching who doesn't interact with their audience. Like I have no interest in the people who are posting just to post or who are just like posting their aesthetic like day in the life videos and then like never answering any of the comments. Like I just, I don't follow people like that. Like I follow people who I know are just as engaged in their community as I am in their content. And I think that's what sets apart a lot of people. Um, and something else just really quick before I talk about like the actual example that we're going to talk about. Um, I want to relate this to get ready with me videos. So get ready with me videos are obviously like popping off. I honestly might have even talked about this before, but I feel like it just fits in here. So get ready with me videos. What I think a lot of people fail to acknowledge with them is that it's not actually about getting ready with that person. It has nothing to do with that. You can be doing anything in those videos. But what people aren't acknowledging is what is making these videos take off is the storytelling that's inside of them. And you actually, in my opinion, unless you're setting your phone up and just like going about your entire routine, like a 30 minute long uncut video of you just like telling the story and then you go through and like cut the pieces where you're actually speaking, you have to have like an insane talent to do this. Because what these get ready with me people are doing is they start their camera they start doing the part of their makeup routine that they're doing and then they start speaking and then they stop the video and then they continue their thought when they move on to the next step like get ready with me videos seem very careless and very carefree and like oh i'm just posting this because i'm telling you a story while i'm getting ready but like in my opinion they're actually a lot harder than they might look but i think the main thing that people are getting wrong is again a lot of people are posting get ready with me videos with the mindset that they're entitled to respect and engagement on that content because they put the effort in to make it when really when i swipe to a get ready with, with me video i don't really watch what they're doing i'm just listening to the story that they're telling and that's what draws a lot of people in but again a lot of people think that oh i'm just going to make a get ready with me video where i'm just showing the different products that i make or use and i'm not speaking at all and people will like that because people like watching these other people do their makeup and it's not about doing their makeup it's about the movement in the video is keeping us visually stimulated while we are actively listening to somebody tell a story and that story is what's actually keeping us on that content so just keep that in mind um or like if you have tried this kind of content and you feel like it's not really working try adding in the storytelling and I know a lot of people who are really good at both teaching and explaining what it means to storytell in your content because it's not always like sitting down and being like, today this happened to me. I was doing this and this happened. Um, like for example, something that really made this click for me is to start replacing your like vlog videos or your get ready with me or even just if you're starting to tell stories in your content try not to say and then you want to try to not say that okay so let me give you an example of this let's say i'm making a daily routine video i'm gonna say i wake up and then i go to the gym and then I came home and made coffee, and then I got ready for the day, and then I sat down to work. That doesn't work. That is not storytelling as much as people think it is. You have to word it in a way where 
All right, this might take some brain power just like off the top of my head. So pretend I'm hitting record on my storytelling video, right? Okay, beep, record. Last night, I spent so much time scrolling TikTok that I didn't go to bed until almost 1 a.m., which made me wake up a little bit late, so I missed my actual workout class. So instead of going to my normal gym, I tried out a different one, and then I went to the coffee shop because I needed to get some work done because I knew I wouldn't get much done at home. Okay, do you see the difference? Is like you're giving reasons to why you're doing certain things, and you're tying them together again by storytelling it's not and then i did this and then i do this and then i did that and then i go here like that's the difference between storytelling and that's again even if you're trying this type of content and you're not seeing success with it because you're doing that and then and then and then type of content try switching it up and like even if you have to script some of this stuff out like a lot of these quote-unquote story times and get ready with me's that you're seeing are completely scripted before you even watch them. A lot of content that looks like it's not scripted is scripted. So just keep that in mind next time you're trying to come up with content like those get ready with me's or you want to start incorporating more storytelling. Again, there's a lot of other people out there who will be able to teach you storytelling better than I can, which this kind of ties into what I said at the beginning. Like, I'm just trying to lean more away from talking about strategy and like storytelling and stuff like that like i really just want to stick to actual content creation and like filming and editing and canva and stuff like that so again like that's kind of what i mean by that is i i just know there's people that are out there that are better at both explaining and teaching what it means to storytell in your content so i can't think of anybody off the top of my head but i will definitely share those at some point um honestly just search <laughs> on tiktok it's an amazing tool as long as it's not banned yet you can find some really great people on there so let's get into the actual example that i wanted to use um i want to preface what i'm about to talk about with <laughs> i'm actually not really a fan of this person it's just not my kind of content i can see why it works i understand from a marketing perspective why it works it's just Again, not my content, and this content is also completely scripted as much as they try to make it look spontaneous. It's not. It's 100% scripted, and I remember having a conversation with somebody one day and saying that and them defending, like, no, it's not. It's so authentic. What are you talking about? And I don't think his energy or his self, like himself, is inauthentic, but that content is scripted, and you literally cannot argue that with me. So we're going to talk about Mr. Beast. So I didn't know who Mr. Beast was until maybe a year ago. And it's crazy because he is the number one YouTuber in the world, which is why we're going to talk about him today. Um, so again, Mr. Beast or Jimmy Donaldson is the biggest YouTuber in the world. He is 24 years old and there's a lot of things that we can learn from him. Again, his content like I said, I didn't even know who he was until a year ago, and he's literally the biggest YouTuber in the world, if that tells you anything about how much my For You page, my YouTube algorithm, and my social media does not show me this type of content. So just really quick, if you're not familiar with Mr. Beast, he has like seven YouTube channels, and it's, again, this is also something else that we can learn from him, but we'll get back to that. So his main type of content is... I don't exactly know what category to place it in, but basically I'll just give you an example. So like he has one video where it's like 10 people 
standing outside of a house and they all have one hand on the house and the last person to let their hand off of the house gets to keep the house. Um, there's videos where it's like there's a hundred people standing like in a circle and the last person standing literally is the winner of a million dollars. Like he just does these crazy things where again, like it's blessing his audience. Like it's blessing these people that it's happening to. Like I don't think it's scripted that he's like not giving people the house or not giving people the cash, but like he's not going off the street and like finding random people. Like first of all, he's pulling them from his audience, which is amazing. Like he actually picks people from his audience. So that's again, something that we'll come back to, but his videos are just like wild and obviously it's not super realistic for somebody just starting out to be able to give away a million dollars. Obviously it took him a very long time to get to this place. So I want to run through the timeline of his growth so that this all makes a little bit more sense about why we're talking about him because like I said, I think a huge mistake that people make on social media is they give up too soon or they don't give their strategies enough time to work. They don't give their social media managers enough time to work, which is a whole separate issue. But okay, so basically February 2012, Mr. B starts his YouTube channel with zero subscribers. So February 2012, starting the channel. Six months later in August of 2012, He's at 26 subscribers, 26, 26 subscribers. And this is where 90% of people would give up. I don't know very many people who would keep going if they only gained 26 subscribers on YouTube in six months of posting. So then a year later in February, 2013, he hits 100 subscribers. So it takes him an entire year to gain 100 subscribers that he, like I last, in my research to this, I found a video, I don't remember exactly when it was from, but it was like he grows by 7,000 people like every few hours at this point. So the number one YouTuber in the world took an entire year to hit 100 subscribers. Then in 2013, he hits 500 subscribers, April, 2014, 1,000 subscribers, October, 2015, 5,000 subscribers. So obviously 5,000 is still a lot. I mean, I've been doing YouTube consistently. Well, I should not say consistently. I have been posting on YouTube for over a year and I'm just under a thousand subscribers. So it's really cool to see like in his timeline, it took him from February, 2012 to April, 2014. So over two years to gain a thousand subscribers. So I think just when you look at it in this perspective, Like, this wasn't like he posted his first video and it immediately went viral and he gained a million subscribers. Like, he was grinding for a long time before he saw a change. So, October 2015, again, he's at 5,000 subscribers. June of 2016, he jumps up to 100,000 subscribers. So, a little less than a year later, like eight months later, he went from 5,000 to 100,000. So, obviously, that's a pretty significant jump. But then in April of 2017, so from June 2016 to April 2017, 10 months later, he's at a million subscribers. So he gained over 900,000 subscriber, subscribers in that 10 month time period. And this is where it's so funny. The big jump in those subscriber counts came from a video of him counting to 100,000. That's it. It wasn't... <laughs> 
some revolutionary crazy video. It wasn't a trend that he copied. Literally, it was a video of him counting to 100,000 that made him go from 100,000 to 1 million. Like that video was the one that took off. So I watched a lot of interviews with him while I was doing, again, this timeline research. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from both him and his growth. So I think the biggest overall lesson is don't give up just because you're not seeing substantial growth in the first few weeks or months or even years. Like again, it took him over two years to get a thousand subscribers. So that's the first thing that we can take away from it. The next thing that we can take away from it is the evolution of his content. So when he first started, he did a lot of like gaming videos, a lot of like watch along videos. He did a lot of green screen videos and that's obviously very different to now the content that he's making that's just him giving away a shit ton of money and like houses and cars and there was one recently where he got like a ton of people LASIK eye surgery um, and like literally gave people the gift of vision back that they probably never would have been able to afford on their own so like again he just has completely changed his content and that leads us into the next lesson that we can learn is his sense of community like his content focuses on giving back to other people and that's the type of energy that you want to emulate in your own content is that you are consistently giving back to your audience and that doesn't always necessarily mean oh i'm sending my audience money i'm doing a giveaway i gave away a thousand dollar gift card like it can look like giving back in the way of sharing their post to your story or liking their posts like it's not that I think you owe somebody anything like just because somebody likes your content doesn't mean that you have to go like theirs but like genuinely if somebody's taking the time out of their day to comment on your post like go to their profile and see if there's anything valuable that you can leave them like it's as simple as that and again that's something that we can really take away from him is that sense of community um a couple other things that he attributes his success to is understanding trends (laughs) so that one made me laugh that like came directly from him in an interview Um, another thing that he really attributes a lot of success to is reinvesting what he makes back into his business so when he made a hundred thousand dollars in ads he immediately turned around and either upgraded his equipment hired a new team member did a giveaway for like a crazy amount of money because he just made a hundred thousand off of an ad like he advocates for reinvesting back into your business and i also say the same thing um like i i hate to have this mindset but like not that i necessarily think it quote unquote takes money to make money but even like my first year of having my business i could probably go back and find my like income statements but I barely pocketed any money from my business in the first year that I had it because I immediately turned around and invested in a new computer, new cameras. I hired somebody like I immediately turned around and invested all of that money back into my business. And it was, in my opinion, what helped me go to that next level of either A, feeling confident in what I was doing or B, being more happy with the with what I was doing. Um Like, I say this all the time, and I don't mean for it to sound, like, materialistic, but my office, for example, at home, like, I'm constantly doing something to it. I'm putting a new picture up. I'm rearranging it because I am a product of my environment. If my house is chaotic, if it's messy, if the floors are dirty and there's stuff sticking to my feet, like, I will lose my mind, and I will not be able to sit down and focus on work. 
So even like reinvesting in yourself in that way where you're just making your work environment an easier place for you. Like if you are just starting your business and you don't have anything yet, like let one of your first investments be a desk in a designated area of your home that you are only doing your work in. Like it's just about taking those steps. Um, That also, I would love to talk more in an episode about like the law of attraction and like manifesting and stuff because that also has a lot to do with it. Like you have to get yourself to a place mentally before you physically have these things. So it doesn't always look as simple as just spending money on your business. It's about taking the time to rest. It's about investing in yourself as a creator and as a business owner. Like what will make your life easier? What will make your job in your business easier? What will make your business run smoothly? Um, People I think are kind of Like, I've shared sometimes a lot, like, all of the subscriptions that I have every month for, like, content creation and stuff and, like, running my business and people are like, oh, my God. Like, I spend over probably $300 a month on subscriptions and every single one of them is 100% justifiable. Like, I need them and because of them, I, I hate, again, I hate to word it this way, but, like, I make more money because of them, therefore I can justify spending that $300 a month on them. Um... So again, not, I like don't like talking about money. It's just like not what I want my channel or brand or content to be focused on. But it's something that I am very heavily, like I believe in very much that you need to be reinvesting into yourself and your business. So I love that he said that. And then one of the last things that he attributes a lot of his success to is the fact that his content is outlandish. It's completely out there. It sometimes can be a little controversial. Like for example, that LASIK surgery video that he had done he got like a lot of hate slash like kickback from that because a lot of people were like who are you to play god like who are you to like be flashing around your wealth like these you're making these people feel like they're less than because they couldn't have afforded it on their own like I don't think anybody in that video would have willingly accepted that LASIK eye surgery if they like didn't want to you know and just again like it sucks to see people hating so much on him giving back to his community sorry if you can hear my third iced coffee of the day (laughs) and then one last thing from him that i noticed in one of the interviews or heard in one of the interviews is that if somebody wants to start a youtube channel or a tiktok or an instagram or anything his advice is to make 100 videos post all of them then analyze from there because there's chances that within those 100 videos there's going to be certain ones that do better than others it's up to you to figure out why Um, i've also said this for a long time that when you first start it's not going to be good and it's most likely not going to be enjoyable because you probably are not going to love the content that you're making and that's the hardest part and i think one of the best things that somebody can do like if you even if you're just starting or even if you're not just starting, like you just aren't sure what to be posting, is start creating content even if you never post it. Because every single time you create a piece of content, you are going to either find a way that you like to record it better than you did last time, or you learned new camera settings so your video just looks better, or you learned a new editing style, or you found a filter that you like better. Like it's, have you ever heard of the 1% rule? comes from the book Atomic Habits. I actually think I talked about this on here recently. It's about the concept of when you're starting something, 
make it a goal to get 1% better at that thing every single day. And then 100 days later, you will be 100% better at that thing than you were 100 days ago. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be 100% great at it and that you've mastered it. You've learned 100% of it. But you're going to be 100% better than you were 100 days ago. And there's always going to be room for improvement. And that's what I think gets a lot of people down when they first start creating content is like they make this video, they don't love it, they post it anyway. It doesn't get a ton of engagement, so they're like, oh, I suck, I just shouldn't do this anymore. When really what happens is after you post that video, you then need to analyze everything that you did. What can you do better? What will make it easier? How can you make this content process smoother? There's a lot of things that you can analyze every single time you're creating a piece of content. So I love that he said that, like make the 100 videos, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work. And it's not as simple as just figuring out what works, but even for yourself, like if you are starting to make all of this content and you aren't even sure what type of content you want to be making, as time goes on, you might learn what you like, you will learn what you don't like, and that's where it will become easier to start creating content. So yeah, that's Mr. Beast's story and everything that we can learn from him. I It's getting kind of late. I gotta wrap up my day. And then my best friend's wedding is this weekend. And yeah, then next week will be, again, a little bit crazy because I'm going to be a guest on that podcast.